This is the 23rd of September 2014, and this is the audio podcast show 130, The Never Ending. And I must warn you that there is no wittiness about this week's title. Well, that's okay. There's also no Adam Yanch, but I'm Samuel Freeman. I'm here. That's Scott Hewitt. And show 130, the show notes are online at theaudiopodcast.co.uk forward slash 130. Don't forget you can find the audio podcast on YouTube, iTunes, Gpodder, Stitcher, and various other places. Where It's all cool. There we go. Let's get straight into the news. First news item, uh, a Cubasis update. There we go. If you're an iOS user and you've uh, recently gone to iOS 8, then Steinberg have released a Cubasis update, which now supports iOS 8 as well as AudioBus 2.1.3. So that's kind of cool. Very good. Is do you know about the iOS thing? Because the AudioBus recently was saying if you want to upgrade to the latest version before 1.8, then to do it soon. Has that passed already? Who knows? Yeah, if you want, if you wanted to get to the latest 1.7 release, you had to do that before the 1.8 release happened because it's always a problem with Apple products. Well, always a problem with Apple. If you want to update to not the most up-to-date version, things become very difficult very quickly. And I think AudioBus were just reflecting the fact that all of the 1.7, all of the OS 7 branch stuff was pretty well thought out and under control and tested and all the rest of it. Whereas iOS 8 has obviously been in the wild for very little and for a very short time. And, you know, there's going to be lots of little bugs and problems coming from there. But Cubasis obviously have pushed out pushed out the update. And for people who have gone to iOS 8, maybe not even intentionally, it just happened on them, then, you know, here's a Cubasis update which now supports iOS 8, which is cool. We also should apologize, perhaps. We do miss things every now and again. And Cubase and Nuendo both actually had maintenance releases uh, last week as well. So they've been bumped up as well. It did indeed. So, yeah, that's Cubase 1.7, well, 7.5.3 is what we missed. Oh, well. There we go. They, they were just maintenance updates, so, um, you know, there, there, weren't, there aren't new features or anything like that. My camera is just really wobbly. There we go. It's better balanced now. Sorry. <laughs> for, the YouTube, for everybody who isn't on YouTube, it doesn't really matter. Right now. There we go. Um, yeah, they're just maintenance updates. Um, normally we spot them as they go by, but they didn't. Yeah, I have to be honest, I just missed them last week. So it's very poor of me. They're there. So we just mentioned it. If you've got okay. something that you do, if you've got something that you do regularly and it doesn't work or it's buggy, then you probably are interested in the maintenance update. If everything you try and do currently works fine and you never have any problems, then why update to see what new thing could be broken? <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, new, more new things from Universal Audio. Um, UAD 2 Octo and 3... This is their DSP accelerators. So this is software to run on their cards and their... And their forthcoming, is it, Firewire stuff? The Thunderbolt things? Yes, so... It, I... I wrote this story and then realized that I'd missed the point of their press release as well, which I thought was quite funny. So I went back and added the final explanation in. So there's two elements here. UAA, UA, Universal Audio have released a new bundle. This is the Ultimate Bundle 3, which comes with all of their plugins and loads of other plugins from other people and is now available as a new software bundle. And on the side of that story is also the fact that there are some new, new hardware turning up as well of which the uh, UAD2 Octo PCI is already available and the Thunderbolt Octo TPS Accelerator will be shipping in October. So uh -huh. new hardware from Universal Audio and a new software bundle to run on top of the new hardware as well, which is cool. 
Universal Audio, it's, it's a company I think we don't, we don't, I don't think we cover them very well, or I'll reflect more on that. I don't think I cover them very well because it's, they, they represent a, you know, a scale of kind of DSP hardware acceleration that I don't usually work with on a kind of regular basis because um, it's so special. It's incredibly specialized and very expensive, which means that I think building building a business on top of the availability of a niche product in that sort of sphere is, you know, for a particular, it's, it's for a particular kind of business and that's not the kind of thing I'm involved in particularly. So, no, it's, but they're cool. It's cool DSP processing. Every time I've played with one, I've been like, this is awesome. Yep. <laughs> it always, it reminds me of kind of, yeah, it reminds me of early DigiDesign stuff, the fact that back in the day the computer processor couldn't possibly handle DSP and so you had external DSP chips to, to handle that and, but now with the faster processors inside our laptops and pockets, it's all, you know, you don't need it, but then there's still these external things that can go even faster and even more specialized for that task. So while your computer's thinking about its operating system and the GUIs, the actual digital signal processing can be happening somewhere dedicated. I think it's cool that it exists, but likewise, it's not something I actually have any hands-on experience with. Hey. It's still worth playing, still worth checking out though, and yeah, it, it is impressive. Like every time I play with it, I'm like, it's cool. Every time I get the opportunity just to do something extra, extra, you know, like various places, it's always, it's always a lot of fun to do it, and it's always really interesting. And you can definitely hear the kind of sonic quality in what you're doing. At the same point, if I remember correctly, you're looking at multiple thousands of dollars for this, for this kind of product here, which is where, or you know, kind of particular boutique situations, it's absolutely, you know, it's essential and it's really cool stuff to work with. But for, you know, for the kind of work I do, which is much more about getting it done quickly and being able to do it anywhere, no matter where, then, you know, it's the kind of thing where there's no way I could have one, I could have this kind of piece of hardware situated in all the different places I am over the course of a working week. So it's not, you know, it's not a practical, it's not a viable option for the kind of work I'm involved in. But, you know, that's fair enough, cool. Um, some more new releases. Um, IK Multimedia have announced a, a new set of EQs as part of the T-Racks. Uh, these are inspired by classic American EQs of the late 60s and the 70s. Was that something you were craving, Sam? Yeah, I'm always looking for more modelled EQ. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, there, you, ha you do have to be running the latest version. Um, of T-Rex, which is uh, version 4.7, but if so, you'll find these are available, and you can obviously, uh, there is an ability to audition them inside T-Rex, and then if you, if they're for you, then, you know, there you go. No problem. They are cool. I'm saying, I I was reading something about, what was the, oh, it's actually, this is some bizarre, bizarre segue. I know people enjoy these kind of things, or at least I hope they do. Um, I was reading a Domino's takeaway menu, which pointed out that in the make your own pizza category, there are now so many options that you could, there are more options than people in the world. And I guess this is the kind of thing where, you know, now they've added in yet more EQs. There are, I'm sure they haven't got to as many options as people in the world, but that's the beauty of, a, of this kind of T-Rex system, isn't it? The way you can grab different EQs, different amps, pull them together, kind of mix them up, and definitely develop a kind of unique individual sound, or at least a unique individual processing method, which it's really cool. And I think those kind of solutions are really great. And if you're interested in a particular, you know, particular types of music or such, then, you know, these kind of EQs, late 60s, early 70s, have a have a particular sound based on the kind of hardware that would have been used to make them at the time. So, 
pretty cool. And the great thing about modular systems like this is that you can be familiar with how it works in the workflow. And if you're working with other people, you can, you know, you've got your skill set, but if they want a different sound, you can easily swap in the processing for something, you know, to meet the client's wants without having to sacrifice your own experience in the environment that you're in. So that's cool, yeah. Awesome stuff. More new things. Well, at least more announced things. Tractor, or well, uh, Native Instruments have announced a new uh, kind of tractor control surface, the S8. And um, when I say announced, I really shouldn't say announced. I should say previewed, or perhaps they've announced in their intention that there will be such a thing. Yeah, they, yes. it's very, very limited information, but there's a, there's a YouTube clip, um, which you know probably focuses on. You know, swimming pools, lighting, and people dancing as much as the tractor control itself. But yeah, the the yeah. little glimpse of the hardware that you do get looks quite nice. It has a a quality the, screen on it. We can say that. The, the most amusing thing that I spotted, the most amusing thing to me was when I went to look at the YouTube page that the video is actually on because it's from YouTube. Um, it was it was amusing to see that no matter what you do, there is always a group of YouTube haters willing to comment on you, comment on your video, which I thought was quite funny. It's like here's a you know here's a kind of well-produced little little kind of preview video of a piece of hardware which we're not going to tell you anything about, and yet some people still had cause to complain, which I thought was quite funny. But um, <laughs> there we go. It, it's new hardware, you know. I mean, I'm saying Native Instruments keep they they keep turning out hardware, and it always has lots of flashing buttons on it, and flashing lights, and LEDs, and it's always fairly obvious and easy to use actually I find that and it tends to be reasonably well priced so you know why not I think a... yeah it seems like I don't I'd have to it's been a while since I looked closely at the tractor controllers but this new one looks like it'll enable you to not have to look at the laptop so much kind of thing to you know I think it's bringing a lot of by having more gooey stuff on the hardware means that you're not going to be switching between the laptop screen and the hardware and the hands-on. I don't know. Yeah. There we go. We're happy to see. We're happy to see. Yet more new news. Sounds Divine have announced the uh, 2600, which was inspired by the ARP 2600. Okay. Cool. It's available on discounted <laughs> pricing until October. Whenever I see the numbers 2600, I think Atari, and then I think of a really cool kind of magazine. My my mind went something else that I'll come back to in a minute. So, but yeah, this is a this is for contact, isn't it? Did yeah. you say that already? But maybe I didn't. I'm sorry if I didn't. <laughs> um, there's an intro price of, on that available until the 20th of October. Now, what my mind went to was um, was the Casio CZ1 emulator that is due out around about now. It's okay. new software. We haven't mentioned it on the show because it's been only kind of announced that it will be available. But I suspect. We're we're not going to do. There's no show next week, the last week of September. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to come back after and say that it's been released and talk about what that is, because I'm quite quite interested in it. If we're talking about things that uh, will be released by the time we come back, then a uh, reason well the reason update will be available as well. Yes. Yep. That's next Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Anyway, are we are we moving on? Are we going to... <laughs> yeah, more... move on for the... that, that was the extra things that aren't in the news section. <laughs> yeah, the news. Well, and even the end of the news now is um, 
things that aren't actually available yet, but we have sneak peeks. Cycling74 have released a video giving a sneak peek at a first peak, they're calling it, at um, Max 7. So, yep, there was already a while ago, there was a kind of blog post that described some of the new features that are going to be in there. Now we've got a sort of live patching demonstration of it. You know, not not really a talk through of its features explicitly, more just a demonstration of Max 7 in use, in workflow kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, it it was fun. I, the video is the video is worth watching. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? And there's lots of graphic, there's lots of GUI changes around it and DSP changes as well. I'm I, I'm not sure how, as somebody who I have to be honest, I'm I'm actually still on Max Five and still do most of my Max work now in Max for Live as well, which is also on Max Five. Um, so I'm a bit like. I'm quite happy with Max 5. Max 6 had things that didn't really, I, you know, I wasn't interested. I, you know, you have that point where everything I ever think of doing I can do in Max 5. Therefore, it was like, I'm not sure it's as much benefit in me spending a lot of time in Max 6. I do every now and again. Like, if I start new projects, now I start them in Max 6. But, you know, I, most of my work, most of my, maintenance, most of my stuff is still Max 5 orientated or initially was. And I'm just saying, I'm not really sure what, you know, were, were people crying out for a new version of Max? I'm not, I'm not sure. Is it? You know, I mean, I I think cycling should give us a clear statement of intent. If cycling are going to switch to a kind of more Apple orientated kind of update sequence, you know, like we're going to do a new version of Max every year or every other year, I think they should make that they should make that statement clear because let's if you think about it, for people who have been in, around for a long time, then we're used to a much longer update cycle when it comes to cycling cycling 74 products. If you think, Mike. Max, I'm just thinking like Max 4.3 to 4.5 was a couple of years. You know, Max 4 up to 5 was a while. 5 to 6 was quite a while. If 6 to 7 is going to happen, is happening this year. You know, there's quite, it, there's a bit of an acceleration to the kind of update sequence here now. And I think that's, you know, that's something they should either say this is a one-off or they should make it clear to people that this is a new, new kind of update sequence. Because I have lots of big projects which... Part of the reason I stayed on Max, I've been doing lots of Max 5 stuff is because I have a couple of big kind of projects that are doing things for people on a kind of commercial basis now. And it was really easy to go Max 5 and support them. You know, I've been supporting them on Max 5 and it works fine. And I'm really glad I didn't bother to upgrade to Max, do the kind of update to Max 6 because that would all have been, you know, like that's essentially going to have been wasted effort because Max 7 will have become the newest version. You know, will become the newest version. So, you know, I think there needs to be a kind of... It would be nice if there was a statement out of cycling to say what the release cycle is now going to become. Is it going to be this quick, or is this just an, an, a, a one-off? Which is cool. Like, there's nothing. You know, I, I'm happy with an accelerated release cycle. It'd just be nice to know if this is what it's going to be. If this is the new future of, of you know, cycling 74 releases. I don't know. There you go. That was just a little winch. It was just annoying me. <laughs> it was. I was. You see, I was. I would have chipped in on my own state of play with Max, but that, that, that went on quite a long time. I'm only going to be saying similar things, so, yep. <laughs> I you, can whinge, you, you can whinge when Max 7 gets announced, like, when it comes out in November or whenever it is. Well, that's it. I mean, I can't... I currently can't see myself going to Max 7, actually, which is... But mostly because I did I did at one point buy Max 6 um, before that, before the grace period where I would have been able to get Max 7. Um, just for one for one project, there was a, some new objects in, G in Jitter mm. um, dealing with physics and 
models and things. And yeah, I upgraded for that. And but everything else I've done since then has been back. Like I was still in Max Five because that's where it works. Or yeah, yeah, even even some new stuff. So I've started patching it in Max Five just because I'm so much more familiar with the workflow. You know, like the the enhancements that have been added, although they could be, make things better, I don't. It, you know, it's actually taken a knockback on the productivity, really. So I don't know. They from five to six, they changed how the um the the windowing method of it. They used to use the juice library, and then they went to kind of native thing on OS X anyway, and it affected the way that things like um. Yeah, Windows that were in front of it's just occurred to me that I've probably had this rant already on the audio podcast. So I'm gonna stop you after the extending on that. In, we, in fairness, we did talk about it when Max Seven was rumored in that first post, but the one yep. thing that does excite me about it is the change in the authorization method. So the idea being that you can log in and authorize a version of Max as you move between machines. And that did strike me as being really cool because there are a couple of times when I've built something, get somewhere, they have a usage case I haven't envisioned. I know that I can fix it really quickly. And then I've had to go through, you know, kind of pull it up on my local machine, quickly make the edit, and then kind of push it through the system. I push it through the manner, the methods I use to get it to them, so they can then get it with the fix they wanted. And a bit of me thinks that this announcement would fix that usage case, but as I've said out loud, I've realised that it would only work if they had Max installed on a full, you know, a full a full version of Max installed on their machine running inactively. And that strikes me as that isn't the kind of practice I would encourage people to do anyway. So. But the Max Seven patcher itself, with its border of the objects around the edge and stuff, like, yeah, looks awesome. And auto save is kind of a nice idea, but it's it seems to be moving along. They seem to be moving more towards the kind of like we we think we know what you're going to be doing, so we've made all these things to make that easier. Whereas one of the things I always did like about Max in the past was the fact that it's just it's just there. It doesn't assume anything of you. It doesn't you know, it doesn't assume you're gonna to want to save your work continuously in case it crashes. It just crashes and you lose your work. So you have to you puts the responsibility on you to save it. That's one thing where I'm quite happy for them to auto save, but a lot of the in this first peak video they kind of show use of kind of pre made patches and putting them together, which again is useful and is one is yeah, it shows how quickly you can get to kind of quite advanced things happening with plugging stuff in that's already been made but it's it doesn't encourage I was always liked the fact that you had less steep learning curve where you start off with maths and you build up to the point where you can do complicated things whereas here you can jump right in and do sophisticated stuff without knowing what's going on behind it which is fine that's you know that's great but does it really encourage you to dig deeper and find out what's going on under the hood? Does it matter if it doesn't? I don't know. There we go. There we go. There we go. We've made it to the end of the news. Wait. I just, just drawing a line there. I was like, that's it. <laughs> drawing a line. <laughs> We've made it to the end of the news. There is no other this week, so we go directly to the non-pirate related, but nonetheless pirate-inspired plunder section. Arrgh. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, from the Digital Music News blog, I guess, uh, the 99 problems of the modern news music industry. There you go. It's quite a long article, because there's 99 of them. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of fun, though, I thought. Well, I, I don't know. If, if you feel like kind of reading something which will facilitate your ability to have a rant about something, 
in your free time, then this is a great article to arm you with numerous things to rant about in the coming future. What better thing could there be? <laughs> in fairness, it is actually quite interesting, and it is actually it, it's actually an article which makes the the more extreme points it makes are actually referenced, which I thought was quite nice actually. So they will they will make a statement and then actually send you to somewhere that actually reports accurately on the statement and provides information surprise regarding that statement. So I thought that was quite cool actually. So, you know. I get it's the start of an academic term. Maybe somebody's out there and they want some sort of essay title inspiration. In which case, there's probably 99 of them there. Yeah. You know? Perhaps I don't know. Perhaps. We made it to the end of the plunder. It's a short show this week, but that's because Adam's not here to to complain bitterly about our biased reporting. That is that is amongst <laughs> us. So that's fine. Um, if you, if you, the listener, though, have complaints about the, uh, you know, the, the content of the show, then feel free to email them to show at the audiopodcast.co.uk, or you can uh, send us a, you know, messages of congratulations and such like that if you wish uh, via Twitter at the Audio Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Google Plus as well, which is awesome. And if you never want to miss an episode, just hit the subscribe button for whatever you prefer to subscribe to us on. I don't know. Yeah. There we go. There's no show next week. We had agreed that, hadn't we? But we hadn't told anybody that prior to you mentioning it in the middle of the show. But that's okay. Yep. In our so embedded we'll other. <laughs> yeah. In the embedded news other section. Um. So we should be back in October. We're going to take the last week of September off because um. Well, I think the main reason is that both uh, uh, Adam is moving house and Sam and I are both back onto our full teaching timetables next week, aren't we? So. We are. I'm feeling the strain now for, for in preparation for then. So maybe. Yeah, it's so okay. Having had the last six months <laughs> off for whatever it is, we, it takes us. It's quite a shock to the system, isn't it? Returning to proper work. So we should. Uh, returning to the teaching timetable. You have to be somewhere at the right time. It's a. It's a horror. It's a horror. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, we're just meandering now, so we should bring this to an end. I noticed that. I don't know if Sam started the timer. Oh, right. I didn't time it this week. See, I'm just not with it. But, yeah. He's just not with it. There we go. Anyway, I've been Sky Hewitt. This has been the audio podcast show 130, the never-ending. I'm Samuel Freeman. See you in October. Oh, and it's the yeah. autumn equinox today. There you go. I, usually, I always mention that when we record it on the time. So there we go. See you in October. Bye. Bye.